0: Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Before you're seated, I want all of our quizzers to come right up here and uh, coaches. And I know some parents are going to be traveling too. All of our quizzers, parents are going to be traveling, coaches. Let's get up here. We're going to pray for them right now together. And I want everybody, if you would, just extend your hands forward. They're going to be leaving tomorrow, I believe. Alicia Lucas, Saturday. Saturday, okay, I had that off. But I'm going to be leaving and going for national, junior national quiz and then the senior national quiz uh, tournament. So we're going to pray for them. Let's all extend our hand forward right now in Jesus' name. Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all of our quizzers. Thank you, Lord, for all the hard work that they've put in this year, studying and preparing, Lord, and putting the Word of God in their hearts. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would bring it to their memory, not just so they win a quiz, but also, Lord, that it would go with them all the days of their life, that they would hide the Word of God in their heart. Lord Jesus, and buy the truth and never sell it. We pray for all the parents, Lord, who are going to be traveling. We pray for the coaches, Lord, for safety as they travel, Lord. And, Lord, for all of these young people and children, Lord, that they would be blessed uh, during this time. uh, In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. We're excited to hear some good reports. Looking forward to what God's going to do. You could be seated. God bless you in the name of the Lord. Uh, amen. Isn't he wonderful? Amen. Hallelujah. Do want to let everyone know this coming Monday and Tuesday, um, the uh, paving company is going to be here doing some work in the uh, parking lot. There's a couple of patches, one very, very noticeable right out here by the drain, and another over towards the north end of the parking lot. They're going to fix those. And then they're going to do what's called crack fill, reseal, and restripe. Uh, so, uh, you know, I know some people like to come to the church at different times and pray. But uh, Monday you probably won't be able to get in. And they probably will be done Tuesday night. And he assures me that they'll be done in time for, of course, church Wednesday. But I'll keep everybody posted uh, with regards to that. So, amen. Let's just keep that in prayer. Pray for good weather and, and no hindrances or delays. Uh, that that all gets done, amen? Praise God, praise God. So we're excited for what God is doing, amen, in his kingdom. At this time, we'll go ahead and dismiss our children for uh, their time and our students. I believe they're going out tonight, students, yes, good. Elements, I believe, Sister Kara is filling in for Sister Jackie. So Elements, your uh, fourth class is available tonight. hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glad to see all of you in the house of the Lord, and glad to see all of you that are joining us online. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. At this time, Brother Mac Underwood is going to come and share with us a word, amen, from the Lord for just a few moments. Can we get behind the preacher? Amen. In Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. I love Wednesday night church. It's just like that. It's like that afternoon coffee that you need, you know, it just picks you up gets you going, gets you ready. Amen. Amen. Excited to be able to bring the word to you tonight. i um, a little nervous, but everybody is. Um, I want to say thank you, Bishop and the pastoral staff for this opportunity, and also a special shout out to the media team, just because, you know, media teams sometimes get overlooked. So shout out to them. Amen. I'm not going to take up too much of our time tonight, so let's go and jump right into it. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 12 starting at verses 1 through 5. You can stay seated because I'm going to kind of jump back and forth, some reading, some commentary, and so forth. So Jeremiah, starting at chapter 12, starting at verse 1. I'm going to start us off here. Righteous art thou, O Lord, this is Jeremiah speaking, when I plead with thee, yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Jeremiah is starting off here with praise, God, you're good, you're righteous, but let me talk to you about your judgments. Let me talk to you about some of these decisions that you've been making. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously? Thou hast planted them. Yeah, they have taken root. They grow. Yeah, they bring forth fruit. Thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins. Jeremiah is speaking here, and he's talking about there's these people who who, who are doing things wickedly and treacherously in there's basically that he's saying that there's these sinners that are prospering that they're there's have fruit in their life and things are going good for them and and jeremiah is saying why he says that thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins reins means kidneys so what he's saying here is that you are near in their mouth and far from their kidneys Obviously, that doesn't make sense. So I'll go further in depth there. Uh, In the time, they would assign body parts or organs to meanings. You know, the heart represents love. You know, Valentine's Day, we draw our hearts that don't really look like to a heart because that means love, right? Well, the kidneys represented in this time, it represented affections, emotions, or our inner man. It, It affected our inside, who we are, our innermost man. So what he was saying was that you are in their mouth, but you are not in them saying, they speak your name, but you are not within them. And he goes on to say, but thou, O Lord, knowest me, thou hast seen me, you have tried my heart, meaning that he he has examined, that he has proved his heart toward thee, pull them out like sheep for the slaughter, and prepare them for the day of slaughter. So just to recap real quick, Jeremiah in these verses is complaining uh, about these people that it looks like they're succeeding. And even though they're not doing things right in the eyes of the Lord and they're succeeding, Jeremiah is like, but I am doing things right. And I am. You've looked at my heart. You've proved me. Why aren't you punishing them? Why aren't you dealing with them? We see a similar issue in the book of Jude when Jude writes to the church and he warns them of this false doctrine that is being pushed by cold, empty, void of the spirit men whose hearts are far away from God. Men who promote sin and speak what the people want to hear, not what God tells them. says that they spoke for approval. In Jude, he describes them as turning the grace of our God into lavishness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He then goes on to say, these are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, get this, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. I like whenever he used the phrase that they are like clouds without water or a tree whose fruit is dead. They have no fruit. And they sound to me just like what Jeremiah was speaking about, that they speak, they speak the name. They speak what it seems like is good, but inside them there is nothing. Inside them there is a void. There is emptiness. There is coldness. And I want to tell you tonight, that's a place I never want to be. I never want to be in a place in my life where it just looks like I'm doing things right. But inside, I am far from God. Inside, I am cold. Inside, there is nothing. God does not have control of my reins. I never want to be a preacher who gets behind the pulpit on natural ability and not the spirit. Amen. We never want to end up like that, church. We never want to be a spiritless church. For the word of God tells us in Romans 8, to be carnally minded, walking in the flesh, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life in peace. When we walk in the flesh, when we don't walk in the spirit, we are in death. And Jeremiah is saying, why are these people blessed? Getting back to what we were talking about. Why are these people blessed? And God, you've seen me. You've tried me. I've gone through these trials. You know, You've proved my heart. Why aren't these people slaughtered? And I myself have had the same question. God, our church, we're doing good. Uh, back home, you know, in Louisiana, we have a church, and you were preaching the truth, and we're doing things right by the Bible, but the church down the road seems to be growing so much more. God, why? I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I've asked these questions. I've asked these questions about life. God, I'm doing things right in, in, in my job and things like that. God, I'm doing what your word told me, but they are prospering, and I am not. Why, God? Now I want to look at God's response to Jeremiah, finally. And God's response to Jeremiah isn't what you might think it is. It's not a sponsor, response of, Jeremiah, I'm going to take care of him. Jeremiah, it's not a response of comfort or reassurance, but it's quite the opposite. Starting at verse 4. How long shall the land mourn and the herbs of every field wither? For the wickedness of them that dwell therein. The beasts are consumed and the birds, because they said, He shall not see our last end.'" Verse 5, listen to this. If, they has, if thou, Jeremiah, hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest, they weary thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? So God tells Jeremiah, you have run with the footmen, and they have wearied you. How are you going to contend with horses one day? And if you're tired in this land of peace, how will you deal whenever the swelling of Jordan is here? So what God is saying, Jeremiah, is you've let this little thing weary you. You have let this little thing bother you and get to you. And you're complaining about a small issue. How are you going to contend when things actually get tough? How are you going to deal when things actually get bad, Jeremiah? Because this is small compared to what your future holds. This is a fragment of what's going to happen to you in your future ministry. And if you can't handle this, how will you deal with that? God does not tell Jeremiah he's going to take care of the issue. He does not tell him that he's going to take care of everything, but he tells him that it's only going to get harder from here. There are trials and circumstances that many of us are going through, went through, or will go through in life. And I spoke about this in my last sermon. The life of a Christian is not an easy life. It's not, it's not cupcakes and, and lollipops by any means. But it doesn't mean it's not rewarding as we know the rewards. But the truth is Christianity is not a walk in the park. The Bible shows us this in the life of every man and woman that was used by God in the Bible. Moses. Hard life, Isaac, hard life, Jacob, Jonah, Daniel, Paul, Peter. We can go on forever. You can look at the, every person who was used greatly by God had to go through something, had to struggle with something. And honestly, it looked like the more they struggled with, the greater they ended up. Yeah, yeah. Trials are necessary in life, but they are not the goal or purpose of our life. Our purpose is much higher. Trials are just the road we must travel to get there. So we would be in error if we became concerned about what other churches are doing that may have compromised this gospel. Because our concern and our goal and our purpose is the true gospel of Christ and to be persistent and steadfast in it and to share this gospel to everyone in the earth. For in it is life, and in this perfect gospel is the remedy to a dying world who is gasping for air, and we have that air in God's word. So the small issues in life are just footmen. In the grand scheme of things, they are tiny. We cannot let the small things lead us astray. We cannot let small things destroy us. We cannot let small things offend us. Because if we can't contend with the footmen, how will we contend with the horses to come? And if you've read your Bible and you've read towards the end, you know there are some horses coming. Well, you know there are some hard times coming. And the current condition of our country and our world spiritually is terrible. And it looks like it's all pointing that direction towards the back of the book, if you know what I mean. And if you look back in the last 20 years, it has just been a downward, downward spiral. The worldviews and morality As normal, it only grows stronger. Evil is present all around us. And while the world falls deeper and deeper into sin, we as the church cannot be preoccupied with small, minuscule footmen that distract us from our goal of the Great Commission. We cannot let issues keep us blind to a dying and desperate world begging for a church to stand up. But our goal is to do what Jude tells us. I want you to go back to Jude. And if some having compassion, making a difference, verse 22 and verse 23, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. What, what Jude is saying here is that your goal is to reach others. Your goal is to reach the lost. Some have compassion. Some reach out and pull out of the fire. Whatever you have to do, your goal is the commission. Amen. But when we become caught up in these small issues of life, we lose sight of the bigger picture. When we become wearied by footmen, we lose our sight and the purpose we have in life to spread the gospel. Uh I want to point out that I'm not belittling anybody's situation and saying that it doesn't matter, that your small issues aren't important, because I believe that God cares about every single detail in our life. And I believe that any God that takes the time to know how many hairs we have on top of our head truly cares about our life and truly cares about the details of us. So that's not what I'm saying tonight. My goal is to not to belittle your problems, but it's to tell you that we have to endure through these problems and stay focused on God, not the problem. That is how we handle footmen. It is by keeping our eyes on God, and it's by keeping our eyes on our purpose and our anointing. So when you think of those problems in life that have been wearying you and those footmen that have been pulling you down, I want you to think about what Jude tells the church that was dealing with the problem that I mentioned. Jude, starting at verse 3, you should earnestly contend for the faith. Remember whenever I said earlier in in Jeremiah, he said, you won't be able to contend with the horses? Well, now Jude's telling us how to contend. You should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. And he goes on and talks about the problem. In verse 20, he picks up and he says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the holy Ghosts. that's important right there, praying in the Holy Ghost, because before the people it said that they were as a cloud with no substance, they had no water in them, and they could have even prayed and had vain repetitions for themselves, but if we want to be as the cloud with water and the tree with fruit, we have to pray in the spirit. We need substance behind the prayer, amen, and in verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and into into eternal life. So to close out and just to leave you with a note here, the way you contend is by building up your faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, and always look into the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. So tonight I encourage you to pray, to look to Jesus when those issues come, because they will come, knowing that our hope is not in this world, knowing that those small footmen that come into your life, that, that they are just here for a season. That one day we will have to contend with horses, but our hope is found in Jesus. And our hope is found looking into the mercy of Jesus Christ for eternal life. This is just but a moment. Your small issue at work today was just for a moment. But can I tell you that we have an eternal promise that one day we're going to spend eternity with Jesus. And we're going to sit at his throne and worship him and love him. And we're going to take as many people that we can with us. Amen, church. Amen. I'm finished. Let's take a moment and just pray over this word real quick. Let it saturate our spirit. Let's get a fresh perspective and mindset about our problems, our life and our focus in this life.
0: Oh, hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's receive that word. Hallelujah in Jesus name. Hallelujah in Jesus name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I appreciate these young men uh, and uh, look forward to uh, the word that that they bring and I always am amazed how God will unite things together and you're going to see that in just a moment. Uh, I didn't tell Brother Mack what to preach and I didn't tell him what I was preaching but you're going to see how God merges things together so beautifully. So uh, I'm going to just direct your attention to Psalm 119 and um, I'm going to look at verses 25 through 32, and we won't uh, necessarily read it. Uh, At this point, I'm just going to refer to it for time's sake, Uh, but that's where we're going to be looking at tonight, okay? In Jesus' name, hallelujah, are you thankful for the Word? So this is the fourth stanza in Psalm 119, and uh, your Bible probably has A word at the top of verse 25 that says, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it directly, but Daleth or Daleth, right? D-A-L-E-T-H. You see that there? Okay. That's because Psalm 119 is an acrostic and it's built on the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So this is the fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet and also the fourth stanza of this psalm. Um, In each of the first five lyrics, repentance is seen. You you, you see in verse 25 that the psalmist is recognizing uh, the morality of his flesh. He's praying for the life-giving power of God's Word. Amen. In verse 26, he's pouring out his heart to God. The psalmist prayed for God to instruct him. We see that. In verse 27, he's desiring to be filled with God. And so he prays for understanding so that he could share the wondrous works of God. And then in verse 28, he realizes his weakness of the sinful flesh. And again the grief that such a reality will bring him and so he prays for the word of god to strengthen him and then wanting nothing at all to do with sin especially with the way of lying the psalmist prayed that god that he would always do god's perfect will then in the final three verses he activates that will and repents and declares that he wants to remain holy and how he will do it. And that's the crux of where I'm going to minister tonight. My title, by the way, is Pray It Forward. Have you ever heard of the phrase, pay it forward? Uh-huh. And you understand the concept, right? Uh, somebody does something good for you, and instead of paying them back or, or, you know, helping them, you just pay it forward, right? Okay, well, tonight we're going to talk about pray it Thank forward. You. Hallelujah. The words of Psalm 119, 30-32 and all of it really uh, echo through time because we have an understanding of the incarnation. It's not that uh, uh, we're just praying to uh, a God who hasn't fully revealed Himself, but we know that we can wholeheartedly follow Jesus Christ. It's more than just simply praying and repenting as some do. It's more than just shedding tears uh, while proclaiming what we will do. It's actually more than just worshiping on a Sunday or a Wednesday. It's a daily life of giving ourselves to God. It's putting into practice what the psalmist described after he repented. And so it's revealed in these three things. Number one, choosing God's way. Number two, choosing. Clinging to God's works. And number three, chasing after God's word. Let's break those down real quick. And, and by the way, if you're wondering how all of this ties into prayer, you'll figure it out in just a minute. So just hang tight. I know where I'm going. I've got the map. We'll get there. Amen. Verse 30, I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. There's an old Chinese proverb that says the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. But too many see the distance and are reluctant to take the first step. It's sometimes too easy to repent at church, but forget the experience when we get home. The psalmist didn't want to be a statistic. So the first step he took was choosing God's way instead of his own way. This first step, by the way, is the same for us. We, we have to do things God's way. That's the only way that's going to be successful. The psalmist would refer to God's judgments. Brother Mac took us to Jeremiah and talked about God's judgments. He refers to God's judgments, but he refers to them. Almost as if it's like he's unfolding a map. Remember those maps long before GPS and, and Apple Maps and Google Maps and all that? Remember those maps you'd get at the, uh, you know, uh, 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 filling station, right? Right? You'd open them up. Anybody remember MapQuest? You know, you'd right? Oh, come on, man. Got some people here tonight. If, if the young people were here, would be like, what are you talking about? Right? <laughs> But like that unfolding of a map to see what highway you need to connect on and what turn you need to make, the psalmist is doing that with God's word, wherein he's going to learn God's ways. I mean, what better way, place to learn God's ways than in His word? Because after all, God is the pathway to peace. Amen. He is the highway of holiness. And of course he is the gateway. To glory, And so the psalmist knows this and he's, he's going to choose God's ways. Praise God. God's ways ensured that the psalmist, that his repentance would remain effective and not just be an emotional outburst in the heat of the moment. So not only did he exercise his will to follow God's way, but He was also determined to live by them. Amen. The second thing He did was cling to God's works. Notice in Psalm one nineteen, thirty one, 31, I cling, King James says, cleave, same thing, I cling to Your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. Hmm. What a prayer. Amen? So continuing his journey of effectively following Yahweh, the psalmist now says, not only am I going to choose his way, I'm going to cling to his works. By the way, that's what testimonies in simple form means. The testimonies of God actually describe the works of God as a witness to himself, And to His righteousness. They testify of God's works and His superlative sovereignty over everything. And so when He says testimonies, He's saying, God, I'm clinging to Your works here. You are God alone. I am not. Okay? He he knows the grief that His way and sin had cost Him. If, If you go back and you look at verse 25... My soul clings to the dust. Revive or quicken me according to your word, right? So, so he knows I, I've, I've got to have God. I, I used to cling to the dust, flesh. I used to cling to sin. But now I need to cling to God's testimonies, to His works, amen? And then in verse 28, he says, My soul melts from heavy, heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word and so he no longer wants to be identified by those things he he's chosen God's way and now he's clinging or cleaving either way again works to God's works and so he prays in verse 31 oh Lord do not put me to shame this prayer was more than just a momentary commitment for the psalmist He wanted to be joined as if he were one with God's testimonies. In other words, he didn't just want to see the works happen. He wanted to be a part of the works happening. I don't just want to hear about it. I want to experience it. And that's what he's saying here. He wanted to be changed, and the only possible way that this was to happen was if he was to cleave or cling to God's works. It's kind of like Psalm 1. Let's let's go there for just a minute. This is a Bible study, right? Okay, just making sure. Psalm 1, look at this. Blessed is the man... Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful? This blessed man doesn't want anything to do with the wicked whatsoever. He wants to be as far away from it as possible. And that's what the 119th psalmist is also saying. God, I want to cling to you. I used to cling to dust. I, I used to follow those things, but now I need to choose your ways and I need to cling to your works, God. How many of you know our ways don't work? Amen. I mean, you know, our works, really, our righteousness just amounts to a whole lot of nothing, right? Isaiah 64, 6 says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. And by the way, that's the sum total of our righteousness of the entire world. <laughs> but yet, he realized this, and it's as if he was to know this in some way. God, I need your righteousness. I need your works. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And then the third thing, chase after God's Word. I'm going to read verse 32 from the Amplified Bible. Here it says, I will not merely walk but run the way of your commandments when you give me a heart that is willing. Commandments, by the way, again, uh, can easily be translated as God's word. They're, they are the thou shalt and thou shalt nots of God's word. So what he's saying here, I'm going to run after that. I'm going to run and chase after your commandments. But there's a, there's a condition. When? When you give me a heart. That, in other words, God, I know you've got to work on me inwardly. Amen. So he's chosen God's ways. He's clinging to God's works. And now he's chasing after God's word. It's as if he wants to escape his past as fast as possible. Amen? But he also recognized that it's all in vain if he doesn't do it from the inside out. Pastor Lucas talked to us a little bit uh, this Sunday and referred to uh, being holy and talked about the the fact that it's got to be with the right motives and for the right purpose and that we're holy when we receive the Holy Spirit. Yes, we pursue it and yes, we go after it, but for the right reasons. Amen? It's a change from the inside out, not the outside in. And he knew this. How many of you know we're hopeless if God doesn't forgive us? How many of you know that we have no hope if God does not remit our sins? If He doesn't fill us with His Spirit and change us from within, we die in our sins. And every goal and desire and anything else that we've done or said or prayed is in vain. But thank God that He cleanses us from all unrighteousness and abides within us. Thank God He doesn't hold our sin against us. Amen. Thank God when we chase after His Word. Hallelujah. We find Him. Hallelujah. You know The Bible has no mouth, but it speaks to me daily. It corrects me directs me, and encourages me. The Bible has no arms, but it carries me, comforts me, and reaches for me daily. The Bible has no feet, but it walks with me every day. And when I've gone astray, it has searched for me until it found me and returned me safely to the Father's house. The Bible may be inedible to some, but I've tasted it. And it's nourished my hunger every time. I I got a feeling that that might describe how the psalmist felt about God's commandments, His Word. And that's why he said, I'm going to run. I'm going to chase after Your Word. I've got to have all of You that I can have. Amen? And so... If we're going to do the same, if we're going to be successful for God, it's going to be because we've chosen His way, we've cleaved or clung to His works, and we're chasing after His word. Amen? Now, I mentioned to you at the beginning of this that uh, Daleth is the fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. If you're aware at all, and maybe even your Bible might even have how it's drawn, okay? Anybody got a Bible like that, that it, it, above your heading? So a couple of you raising, shaking your heads, okay? Uh, right above verse, uh, uh, the first verse there, 22, 24, whichever it was. I've closed my notes from our, my Bible, 25. If you've got that, you can see what the, the letter actually might have looked like, okay? It's a symbol, Everybody see that? Some of you that have that? If not, ask somebody near you or later after you can see it. But it, it, it's a symbol, okay? And in Jewish custom, it, it has meaning. The symbol has meaning. Um, and, and a lot of times, a, a, a letter might be the comp, uh, conjoining of two other letters together to create a, a third different letter, okay? Well, Deleth is sometimes used as a simple abbreviation for the name of God in Hebrew, Yahweh. And and we can see that throughout the psalm itself, that, that particular stanza, as the psalmist chose to follow God wholeheartedly, knowing that God would help him. And of course, as I mentioned, we know the beauty of the incarnation, so Yahweh has become Yeshua. So for us, it's following Jesus. So the same principle applies. We have to make up our minds. Well, will I choose Jesus' way? Will I choose Jesus' works? And will I cling to them? And will I chase after His word? Amen. Amen? So the principle still applies, even though it's an Old Testament principle. But there's more. The Jewish custom for this fourth letter teaches that it represents a poor person who must make himself available to receive help from a benefactor. I don't want anybody to raise your hand. I don't want anybody to feel embarrassed, but have you ever needed help? And, and if so, are you thankful when somebody has helped? Right? So, you can at least understand in part how that... Uh, whether it's financially poor or just needing spiritual help or emotional strength. It's sometimes you've been at a place where you've been the poor person needing someone to come along and help. And so they, they, they em- emphasize that, that you know, everybody should, should do that to help others. But here's the other part to it. The one in need must also listen for opportunities to receive and be humble and willing to accept them. And this is revealed on the right side of the letter, Daleth. But the left side depicts the benefactor who is reaching towards God, which enables him then to bless others. Again, this is all within their their custom of how this letter is viewed and what it means. It's more in-depthness, right? And so reaching up with one hand towards God for strength, the benefactor can then reach with the other hand to help others. And that's what they see in the image of this letter. But we know also that this spiritually demonstrates and beautifully describes that Christ is the mediator between God and man. We're the poor person. We're the poor in spirit person that cannot save ourselves, cannot atone for our sin, and Christ reaches with one hand towards us and the other hand to satisfy the judgment of God and becomes the mediator between God and man. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? But here's something else. That is beautiful. Daleth has another meaning. And it means this. And this is the the spiritual concept because, well, let's just go there. We got time, 745. We got time. Go to 2 Corinthians 5 with me. Again, it's a Bible say, right? Okay. Just making sure. Hey, I like to shout just as much as anybody, but sometimes we need to, Put it in first gear and slow down and learn a few things, right? Right, right? Second Corinthians five. When you got it, say I got it. Okay, that was the majority, I think. Verse seventeen. Ready? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Hallelujah. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Notice, we weren't just reconciled to have a little badge that we wear to say we're saved. We now have a ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Aren't you thankful for that? I didn't have to pay for my penalty. The penalty of sin, the wages of sin is what? He died for me. Praise God. But notice, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The reason Jesus became us, the reason was so that we could become His righteousness. Not for our benefit, but for the benefit of others. Because we are the only Bible many people are ever going to read. And if they're going to see Jesus, they're going to see Jesus through our actions. And so He saved us, not just so that we could come to church, but that we could become His church and minister reconciliation to others. So this other meaning of Daleth is that we keep ourselves in the love of God, as we heard earlier from Jude, and we have compassion on others. And now let's go to Jude, because I want to show you this. Go to the book of Jude with me. It's the final, second to last book, sorry, Revelation is the final book. Second to last book. Go with me to Jude, verse 20. And again, these were in my notes. I didn't know what Mac was preaching. He didn't know what I was preaching. Jude, verse 20. By the way, you know you don't have to say chapter 1 on when you do that because Jude's only one chapter. You can just say Jude 20. Yeah, I just, I'm just yeah. Same thing with 2 John and Third John. They're just one chapter. You can just say 2 John, verse 4. Or 2 John 4. Anyway, sorry. That's it's a weird, it's crazy fact, you know, so it's just whatever. Jude 20, watch this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I love that. I love the feeling that happens when I pray in the Holy Spirit. I love remembering where Jesus brought me from. I love talking in tongues. I love feeling the power and presence of God. But it doesn't just end there. I've got a verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. And I love that. I love looking for Jesus. I I love uh, tearing and waiting for Him, whether it's in a, a service like this or more contextually, whether it's looking for that blessed hope. And and there are days I'm like, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But again, it doesn't end there. Notice verse 22. I've been saved not just to sit on a blue chair, but rather to have compassion making a difference. And notice this, verse 23. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Not hating them, but the sin that was upon them. But doing what I can to save. So we see dileth again in this letter. I'm reaching up to God who saved me. And I'm thanking Him for His salvation. But I'm reaching down for somebody else that is in need. Say, I'm going to help them too amen now now watch this I want to show you this for just a minute here amen Pastor Lucas come here would you, would you just stand down here this edge of the platform here uh, there's no step here right so I could easily fall if I'm not careful alright uh, get, get down on your maybe there you go if, if I'm reaching for him the chances are where my balance and position could be affected where I could fall, right? If I'm not careful. Brother Mac, you were preaching. Come here. I need your help. Okay, so watch this. I want you to stand where I just was, somewhat with your feet off a little bit. I want you to get this picture in your mind, kind of facing him a little bit, where you're semi-imbalanced. Reach kind of down with one hand. There you go. Now watch. You're a little imbalanced, right? Right, hold that position just one minute. Don't fall. Verse 24. Now to Him, Christ, right? Who is able to keep you from... When you are reaching for somebody else, God is balancing you so that you're not going to fall, so that you're not going to stumble. He's there holding you up as you're reaching for someone else. Amen. You can go ahead and reach over a little bit for Him. You can go ahead and bend down because God's got you. God's going to hold you up. Amen. Are you seeing the image there? Are you seeing what Jude says? Are you seeing how that letter plays out? If we will choose His way, and cling to His works and chase after His Word. It's not just so that we can have a merit badge and say we've accomplished it and live for God so long. It's so that we can reach out for others who are in need knowing that we'll never stumble and we'll never fall because it was once us that was in that pit. It was once us that was being reached for. Amen. I wonder if anybody here Can remember your experience of when God saved you. Did somebody invite you to church? Was it a loved one, a spouse, a neighbor? Did somebody ask you to get on a church bus or van? Did someone teach you a Bible study? Who was reaching for you while they were also reaching up to God? That's what praying it forward is all about. You see, praying it forward means I'm keeping myself in God's love while having compassion on others and making an eternal difference in their lives. He's going to be able to keep me from falling. And He's going to be able to present me blameless or faultless before His presence with glory and exceeding joy. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for that? So I want us right now, we've got about seven minutes left. Is there somebody that you can begin to pray for right now? Maybe a barista at your favorite coffee shop. Maybe somebody at the grocery store. Maybe a neighbor. Maybe a prodigal. Maybe somebody in your apartment complex or neighborhood. Is there a loved one that you can call out to God right now and start praying it forward? Amen. You got them in your minds? Amen. Can you call their name out as we begin to pray right now? Jesus, help us, Lord, to realize that we've been saved, that we've been reconciled, that we've been redeemed, so that we can be ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors who go forth. God we pray right now for loved ones and friends and family members and co-workers we pray for them God that we would have opportunity to speak to them Lord as we reach for them we know that you'll keep us up Lord and cause us that we shall never stumble or fall and so Lord we pray right now in Jesus name for opportunities to share your love and mercy to testify of your goodness to tell them what you've done for us so that they might be saved. Oh, Jesus, thank You. Thank You for salvation. And thank You for trusting us to love others, to have compassion on them, to make a difference, Lord, to hate the garments spotted by flesh, stained by sin, but to love them, hallelujah, and see them saved. Oh, Lord, help us to pray it forward. Help us, oh God, to pray it forward. We've been reached for. We've been loved. We've been reconciled. We've been redeemed. Now help us to pass that on. Praying it forward for others, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh God, you're great and greatly to be praised, Lord. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't think it's coincidence that one of the most effective things that we've experienced in our efforts of evangelism have been simply to ask people, what can I pray for you about? Or or can I pray with you? Or how can I pray for you? Or some variation of that. Many people have responded very positively to that type of outreach. When we've hung door hangers, even if they're not home, that say we've prayed for you today, they'll call, they'll email, they'll reach back out. We've had some come and physically visit the property and, and visit a service. So that being said, we've got a box out in the uh, behind, Sister Kim. Can, when you get done, can you set that out up on top. There's probably two thousand cylinder. I've got another four thousand on order. They're coming, but it just it has a picture of the church. It has all the information on it. Would you consider taking some of those? Yeah. Your neighborhood, yeah. your apartment complex, your your place of you know whatever. Take one with you to work. You know, see if your boss will let it put on the bulletin board or the break room, something, whatever. Just reach out to people and pray it forward. For quite some time now, we've not been dismissing. We've been deploying. And so you're deployed to pray it forward.